Hey, what's going on? Greetings of good day, and welcome to Birds All Day, episode number 183. My name is Drew Fairservice. Here it is in the middle of September, and we are talking about your Toronto Blue Jays. They may not actually be your Toronto Blue Jays. The Blue Jays are at a point now where it's like wear a name tag in the dugout sort of thing. Uh, somebody had, I don't know who wrote it, somebody wrote a story about like how cramped the Fenway clubhouses are this time of year. Uh, that's a good way for the Blue Jays to get to know each other because most of the time I'm looking at like, who are these fucking guys? The endless line parade from the bullpen. It's really a miserable time. It is a miserable time to watch the juggernaut Red Sox run over your Toronto Blue Jays. But at least, you know, the kids are out there. The kids are out there. They're figuring out who they are, what they are. And uh, they're making the in the looming payroll questions all the more easier. All the more easy? I don't know. They're easier. And now joining us, all the way from uh, jolly old England, we have a contract expert, Andrew Stoughton. Stoughton, <laughs> how are you? Uh, well, chaps. Chaps, so well, it's Top of the morning to you. <laughs> uh, uh, how are you, Stoughton? Uh, old reliable, you're well. Yeah, I'm well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't. It, Stoughton and I are joking. We were on BBC this week, BBC Five, which it was a tremendous honor, to be honest. Yeah, the fact was, that they I, asked us is yeah, hilarious. Yeah, I, I was, I was, well, I was a little chuffed about that. I don't know if that's a word they'd said. Chuffed bits, but, in fact. <laughs> until you know, until I actually did it. No, no disrespect to the to the hosts and everybody putting it together. That was nice of them to ask. It was, it was a bit of a fiasco. Uh, if you didn't hear it, uh, I believe it is online. Uh, I think that you and I will have uh, shared the link uh, if you're so interested in hearing it. If you haven't, I will summarize it for you. It was very brief uh, because we were up against the clock, uh, as happens in the, the wild, wild west of, of uh, live radio. But it was like an episode of... Um, like It was just basically a fish-out-of-water episode where the two uh, delightful uh, men on the air... Uh, Express one who is the the sports knower because so the other thing to remember is this is in the middle of the night in England like the dead of night <laughs> we were yeah. it was ten o'clock in the evening for us which made it like three o'clock in the evening in the morning for them and so that's like international sport hour sport singular uh, and they were talking about uh, sort of talking about football they were talking around football and they were talking around basketball and they talked in and around hockey. Uh, where the one co-host, uh, whose name Jewel John something, uh, just happily being like, "Nope, I got no, I got nothing. I don't know anything about this sport the, whatsoever." The, the 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 wonderful sport of iced hockey, yeah. Iced hockey. <laughs> so then they bring us on. See, there's what is this iced cream? They bring, they bring us on. They're like, "Oh my God, what's the deal with this Vlad Guerrero Jr.? Uh, why isn't he on the team yet?" I'm like, "Well, we tried to like explain it real quick." And they're like, so is he going to leave? He's going to leave then. He'll be gone. He's going to leave at the end of the season. <laughs> like, oh, no, no, he can't do that. He's there forever. Like, it's, he's stuck. And they're like, okay, that's it for these guys. We're moving on. <laughs> <laughs> because it, it, it's a, it's, we take it for granted, you and I and, and the people who are listening to this. We've been inundated with the, the kind of the way that the, the, the collective bargaining agreement works, works and the understanding of, of, of rookies and baseball and service time and entry-level sports, those things are all baked into the, the sporting landscape here. So for a fan who's doing anything more than just having to turn the game on and watch it when it's beaming into their eye holes, there's that kind of understanding. It's not quite to that extent over there. <laughs> no. 
I don't, and again, we don't fault them. And it was, again, if they have us on again, I would be delighted to, to go on again. Um, uh, but it was just a very odd experience. <laughs> it, was, it was a little bit, yeah. It, but, uh, <laughs> it, 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 I mean, maybe this is maybe this is the wrong way to take. But it, it, there is, this is getting a bit niche for uh, this is more of a super bad kind of comedy. There's a point mm. in uh, in manufacturing consent when Chomsky is talking about uh, how he can't go on Nightline because it's like they expect you to talk in like three, you know, in, in thirty second sound bites, uh, and you just can't deliver big concepts that people are to people in that kind of space. And they were like, so baseball contracts, how does a rookie contract in baseball work? And we're like, Whoa, how much time do you want us to do this in? Like, exactly. It was, it, it was, uh, the, the subject matter for, for the uninitiated was just way too big for a segment that felt like it was over in about 45 seconds. It sure did feel that way. It wasn't, <laughs> but it, it felt close. And, and yeah, especially if you're a radio producer, you're like, okay, this is, we're trying to keep this lively. We're going to get these guys from North America. And there were other people that were on before us from even from here in Toronto. And it's just kind of like, let's get, let's go. You know, this, this guy who's driving his lorry around in the middle of the night, whatever. And all of a sudden it's like, well, you see, the collective bargain agreement <laughs> signed in 2014 stipulated that they eliminated the top 17% rule when it, when seeking to become a Super 2, which, of course, allows the player to become uh, arbitration eligible a year earlier, giving him four times through art. Like, it's dry and weird, and no one cares there. They're like, this guy's exciting. Let's get excited about him. I'm like, well, you can't, you see. You <laughs> right. can't get excited. And you know why you can't get excited about Vladimir Guerrero Jr.? And why you can't get overly excited because of the rules? Because of guys like... Mark Shapiro. Mark Shapiro is the general manager of the, um, or the president of baseball. What's his title? President of the Blue Jays? President and CEO, yeah. Oh, well then. President and CEO. Uh, he's also uh, Skeletor, just out walking around. Uh, <laughs> the destroyer of dreams. Uh, so the big, he was in the news for a couple of different reasons this week. Number one, he came out to defend his, uh, his scummy practices and the shady oily way in which he, they run their business, which is not really shady or oily. They, they're not doing anything that's express, expressively wrong. So how can you fault them? He says with a shrug. But the real reason that Mark Shapiro is in the news is because the Mets are circling. The Mets are uh, looking like the Mets are going to kind of go into a new day as a franchise. Uh, David Wright, God bless him, is going to not be able to play anymore. He's going to come back and he's going to make a start on September 29th. Um, this is pertinent to the, to the Blue Jays because... Everything I'm about to say about David Wright, you can replace with Troy Tulowitzki, uh, maybe next year. Wright's going to come back, he's going to play a game, and then he's going to be basically just declared physically unfit uh, and unable to play. Uh, so he can still get paid his contract, he's not walking away from any money, but his career is effectively over. It's too difficult for him to play. Um, there's Again, we've spoken of it before, the, the story of the, how hard he's had to work and all the things he's, he's put in to try to get back on the field. Uh, I don't think he's going to put his body through that anymore. Wright's done. God help us. Jose Reyes is going to be done. <coughs> Sandy and, and uh, uh, Sandy Olsen, who's, of course, recovering from cancer, is he not? Is that, is that accurate? I so, yeah. Yeah, so it's Richardi and uh, I forget who the other guy is. Who are, like, There's three of them. Interim yeah. GM, yeah. Yeah. So need, they need a new president. And the Wilpons, the swine who run the Mets, who make <laughs> Rogers. Look like Mike Illich, just like letting it, making it rain, throwing bills from the sky. 
they want Shapiro because Shapiro is a respected business executive in the baseball in the baseball uh, vertical. Uh, he has delivered results directly to the bottom lines of many owners and given them uh, cover under the guise of competitiveness. That's really uh, skin flint, not spending, tightening the purse strings, and then never loosening them up. Uh, so that's why the Mets won. I mean, there's a great story that, excuse me, that we shared this week that uh, Craig Cal- not story, Craig Calcaterra, an opinion piece on Hardball Talk, destroyed poor Mark Shapiro, <laughs> laid him to waste. I felt attacked. You felt attacked? <laughs> well, apparently I am Shapiro, so. <laughs> I always forget about that. Yeah. We've been doing 183 of these. You'd think I would know when I am, <laughs> A, speaking to, and then uh, insulting, frankly, uh, the person on the other end of the line. So apologies to you, Mark. I mean, Stoughton. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. What do you make of this of the Mets thing? Is there anything to this, or is this just sort of like a convenient fit? Uh, apparently, the, the talks just won't go away. Yeah, you know, I, I have, I have, as regular listeners will know, I, I am no stranger to dabbling in conspiracy theorizing, theorizing that uh, Shapiro could be a fixer for MLB. Uh, I think he's a bud of Manfred's. I could see him one day moving up to the league offices. He's obviously a guy who is well-respected, especially as Craigers pointed out by the, uh, uh, by the owners, uh, because he's done such a good job of not just keeping, you know, I mean, you have to keep Cleveland's payroll in line. You have to keep that budget in line and be very, uh, you know, operate the way that uh, that they do, but they, they're you know the Shapiro tree has deep roots, and they're you know their front offices all over the game, uh, full of executives who've worked for him or under him, and and uh, and in Cleveland, um, and his influence has been deep uh, on a game where we very clearly see uh, where we see that influence, you know, in the in the way that. We were talking last winter all about how teams all evaluate players the same way for some reason, and that's why free agent mm. contracts don't get signed the same way as they used to because because people have their walk away points and then they won't walk they won't uh, they won't go past them, and so all these old uh, sluggers, all these aging players, uh, are, you know, are not getting the same kind of money, and and that I think, you know, I'm not going to give Shapiro credit for for that per se, but that's sort of, that's certainly the way that he operates and the way that uh, Ross Atkins has talked about it and the way that obviously I think a lot of teams uh, this day and age operate and and can get away with. And I think this is sort of the brilliance of this aspect of it is that they could get, they they get away with it because they're like, well, look what happens when you sign a fucking aging player to a contract that's too expensive. I mean, you don't really want to do that. Right. I mean, uh, I mean, you should want to do it if you're a piece away from, uh, from you know, being a championship contender. But uh, if you're not, if you don't have room for those guys, if these are, you know, if these are uh, just regular, I don't know, if you're just a team that's, that, that's, that could use an upgrade but isn't maybe within striking distance of, a, of being a championship contender, what, you know, what are you doing going out and signing a player like that? And that's just driving the price down for a lot of these guys. So I think that, you know, I mean, that's just one thing. And I think that the Calcaterra's piece, you know, has pointed to that point to, to the fact that uh, the Wilpons, the owners of the Mets, would certainly love a guy who is very good at providing cover for not spending and very, and, and, 
and insinuated in the piece, which I think a lot of uh, a lot of fan fiction from the negative Jays fans uh, would uh, would align with, with the idea that Shapiro has been is just being imported to places only to cut money, only to uh, only to just do the bidding of cheap, shitty corporate ownership, which I think is you know uh, a bit of a. a a glib reading of the situation. I don't think that's quite right, but there's, you know, there's a lot of evidence that, yeah, when he showed, you know, him showing up, these guys from Cleveland showing up, uh, you know, they're not going to quite run them like they're the Rays or like they are the Cleveland baseball franchise, but, uh, but that's an aspect of it. And we're going to see that, you know, in the coming years with the Jays where conveniently as they fully face the rebuild that they're, uh, you know, they have been doing for two years, really, uh, you know, the payroll is going to go way down, not not coincidentally. I mean, there's obviously on-field reasons for that. But, uh, but yeah, so it, it's, it, it's a real, it's an interesting fit. And I think that, I think that it makes sense. I think that, that it also sort of plays into the fact that there might be uh, some discontent between Shapiro and Rogers, which he downplayed in his, uh, in his sort of little State of the Union press conference last week and, and uh, the big rounds of media. But, I mean... He could downplay it all he wants. I mean, they haven't announced much in the way of uh, of the, these big renovations that seem to be, you know, that he was saying himself a year ago uh, are very necessary for the Blue Jays in order to drive the kind of revenue that they're going to need to be able to run the kind of payrolls that they'll need to keep up with the Yankees and the Red Sox. You know, they want they want those premium dollars. They don't care about uh, the people who are coming in and and buying a few tickets every year they would like every dollar that's spent to appease them is a dollar lost that they could be using to really uh extract money from the premium uh users and the business po- folks and the and the you know the the corporate accounts and all of that uh which you know there there's i i don't know if that means that there's smoke there or in terms of the mets but you can certainly you can certainly see uh you know, what he is, what the Mets need, why that might align, and the fact that he might, you know, have some issues with the with Rodgers, which literally everybody who runs the Blue Jays does because Rodgers are, you know, a giant corporation beholden to their shareholders, which doesn't, you know, their interests with the Blue Jays, you know, their interests doesn't, don't necessarily align with what the Blue Jays need financially. Uh, you could see a thing like that happening. The, though, I guess the one thing I would say about it, the whole thing uh with respect to this idea that Shapiro has been brought in only to cut pa- payroll, only to to you know really be uh, uh, what do they call it uh, um, austerity kind of based philosophy in terms of how he's running the club is that they always you know they were looking at Dan Duquette for a long time and probably would have gone with him and so that that you know he he brings his own uh, experiences with uh, with shitty weird ownership to the table. And you know, running a, a club in a in a different way, but I I I don't know that I would maybe make the direct connection between the uh, you know the Jays bringing him in just so he can you know be this evil shady figure who's only there to cut payroll. I think that plays into a narrative that a lot of people have in their heads that isn't necessarily uh, the truth. But there's sort of a lot of factors and facts you know around the perimeter of this. Uh, of this sort of stuff that that make a lot of sense in terms of what uh, Calcaterra was saying. Do you think that Mark Shapiro has a successful track record? 
I, I mean, I, I think the, the question, like, does he, has he ever built a winner? I think is a question that, that we could maybe ask ourselves. Um, and then I guess the question becomes, does that even matter? That maybe right. is the that might be the biggest question, right? I mean, if you're if you're an owner, you look at the track record; it's probably pretty successful. I mean, he got the he got a stadium reno done. They've had some good teams there, with uh, you know while keeping payroll at a minimum. I think the last couple of years it's gotten higher. And again, this is a you know this is a fan sort of pathology where it's like oh any anything good that's Ant Nettie, anything bad that's Shapiro. Is I think a, a, mm-hmm. a way that fans kind of end up thinking about that sort of stuff, but uh, you know, but it's hard to deny the fact that, uh, as he said, you know, he his teams haven't been the greatest, at least when he was the GM. I mean, he still, uh, you know, handpicked somebody to run his organization uh, on the baseball side, and who's had a lot of success, uh, and you know, I think that uh, I think that some of the stuff about you know. Worrying about his drafts was uh, was maybe uh, overblown in the Calcaterra piece. I think the Blue Jays, by anybody's standards except Keith Laws, <laughs> have drafted really uh, really well in the last few years and, and seem to be uh, doing just fine in that respect. Uh, now I don't know that fans need to be worried about that, but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, the core, I guess, is that you know he's a he's he's a business guy more than a baseball guy, which I mean he obviously is a, is a baseball guy to an extent, but. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he seems to. I, I understand why why he would be viewed more favorably by an owner trying to keep costs down than by a fan uh, hoping for a successful ball club to watch. Another thing, one other, just two things I want to discuss that that you touched on briefly. Number one, I think that maybe Peter uh, Angelos is probably the most misunderstood, not misunderstood. I think it, it's really telling that fans, and I definitely would count myself as one of them, um, over, you know, as a younger person or as someone who didn't, um, uh, you know, wasn't thinking about the game as I maybe do now, uh, hated Scott Boris and, and, and hated uh, Peter Angelos. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if um, looking at those, the, I definitely don't feel the same way about Boris anymore. Uh, you know, I, I was definitely the the guy who thought he was really smart, being like Scott Boris is destroying baseball when I when I probably when I was nineteen, um, and <laughs> yeah. uh, I think that was wrong. That was definitely wrong. And the other side is that Peter Andrews is probably a decent, is probably a good owner. He definitely has a reputation as being like a good man. Uh, yeah, yeah, a different so. kind of owner. Obviously, the Orioles are their own their own piece. They're their own thing going on over there. But the other uh, thing I wanted to, and, I wanted and, to talk you know about, went out and spent on on Chris Davis, which clearly clearly a terrible mistake, but they did it. They've made so many different like bad baseball decisions that Chris Davis's contract isn't, if anything, it's good because it can prevent them from making even more bad decisions. <laughs> like now they're going to have to stop being so stupid with all the rest of their money because they've have to given it all to Chris Davis, which. God, God bless him. Take it, take that money, Chris Davis. Cash that check every month, every week, whatever. The other thing was, I was got thinking about big contracts, and uh, the game is definitely changing. Uh, there's no denying that the way that the pay is structured, and when you've got teams like the Rays who are happily and successfully, it should be said, you know, running this opener thing out there, and 
kind of taking paychecks away from guys. But I was gonna. I started to think, you know, what's it gonna take for the for baseball to change? What's it gonna take? Is is there gonna be like an older veteran team is gonna come along and win the World Series, and then maybe another one will do it again, and uh, you know maybe they'll be a bit more expensive, or they'll be there's older guys who are get maybe get paid by somebody else, and you bring them all in, and they'll and they go and they win the World Series. Um, and then I thought that that the answer oh, that was one part of it, and the other part would be that they're going to start giving away you know these these pre arb contracts or or paying guys early um, uh, ahead of time. I'm like, well, they'll have a few of those will go the wrong way, and then and then the game will change. And then I realized that like how many bad young guy contracts like uh i can't even i again it's number one is think of what what's a really bad contract like one that was given a pre-arb or a, very early in 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 a player's career that he ended up to not be like i think man it may be like a manny corpus or something like that is one that jumps out that the, the rockies gave this reliever a bunch of money and he yeah. was awful but uh, like uh, singleton maybe is one singleton was the one where they bribed him to take it so that they yeah. and then they said he would they would come up and he wasn't great but like those contracts are pennies. Yeah. <laughs> How many of those do you have to go wrong just to get to like a, a even a Miguel Cabrera contract? And the Miguel Cabrera contract is in all in a lot of ways fine because it's Miguel Cabrera. Like you could pay him. Like oh no, it's not sc- screwing the 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 Tigers that they paid. They're one of the best players to ever wear the uniform. Anyway. Or like a pool, so like there's so much lost value on those big, big contracts that like you can there could be a hundred Manny Corpuses, a hundred John Singletons. You can have a hundred like a, even a Ricky like Ricky. People are gonna say Ricky Romero. People listening to this being like Ricky Romero's contract was awful. Whatever, a hundred of them, a hundred <laughs> bad Ricky Romeros to yeah. get to one. Even you Darvish that looks a little dicey now because he's been injured and he had a debridement in his elbow or whatever. Um, you know that there's some some worry on that contract a hundred bad pre-arb or pre uh, pre pre-free agency contract extensions just to make up for one which is it's never going to change unless there's a significant uh alteration to the entire economics of baseball this is how it's going to be unfortunately for a while and because shapiro is a good salesman and because he does have a good track record of maybe not delivering penance or delivering uh, World Series victories to the owners who pay him. He delivers the other kinds of results, and then when he comes here, that's that's his pitch. Is I can, it's the same pitch that JP Ricciardi made when he got the job, however many years ago that was. He said I could build you a winner on a budget, and and Shapiro doesn't even need to say he's going to build you winners. Like I can increase your margin. Is <laughs> probably the only thing that he can, that he can come up and say. You know, coming out of 2015 or 2016, you can say like, yeah, having a winner makes a big difference but we can make it so there's money coming in no matter what and and like as you talked about that that somebody somebody quoted that line the line about every dollar you spend on the on the on the on the economy experience is one you don't spend on the premium experience and it just kind of like it was a little light went off in my head and i'm like that's that's the mentality they don't care. They don't care if I can't get in. And we've talked about this before. They don't care that I, it's too expensive for me to bring my family more than once a year. They don't care. That's not my dollar that they're after. Yeah. No, I think that's true. I, I would also, I mean, I would say, though, that, like, it, 
and I see this, you know, the, the idea of him as a fixer. I mean, I think these are markets. He's he, you know, were he to be moved to the Mets, were he to go to the Mets, you know, the the mm-hmm. conspiracy tinfoil hat thing about, you know, having him sent here basically to get the stadium done right, and so to get to get these revenue streams in line with where the rest of the league is, because the Jays have really been lagging in uh, in uh, those terms. I think for a long time that was something mm-hmm. that, that Beeston didn't do. I mean, the, that that. You know that that could it may not be the uh, the main end goal. Uh, you know, I mean, I, he would never say that, I'm sure. But if that, but if that's sort of the primary goal and that's the the sales pitch, uh, that could have a lot of positive benefits for the Jays, obviously. And and I think that you know the the Mets situation is the same thing, right? I mean, if you can get that franchise moving in the right direction, uh, as much as that's you know may, uh, you know using his model the or the model you know the the Cleveland model. Uh, in other uh, in other markets, uh, as much as as much as that's a win, probably for the owners, it is also, you know, that's also a win for the Boris's of the world. If you have the Blue Jays capable of, uh, you know, of having, you know, doing exactly what they say they want to do, which is to build a strong enough po- prospect pipeline that they have the sustainable winner, that they're more frequently able to play in the the deep end of the pool in terms of the the free agent market and the Mets are another team where you know you look at the size of the Toronto market you look at the size of the New York market even if you're the second team those are huge opportunities for MLB to to uh to grow I think and and to increase the profits on the owner's side but the benefit for the players and and the Boris is on that uh, if they do that is that there's now more big money teams. I think the league would would be pleased if there were more teams that were like the Red Sox and the Yankees, and fewer that were like the Rays. Like I don't think that they want the you know Cleveland's all over the league out there, just uh, just stealing fans' money and and operating like tightwads. I mean, I think that that's that's probably not the way they want to operate their business either. So I mean, I think that that as much as you can view it from the prism of uh, or through the prism of, of uh, you know, what he brings to uh, on the ownership side and what the positives he would bring uh, to those types and their and their interests. I think that, the, that, you know, having the Mets become a bigger market team, having them, op, you know, you know, just getting their fucking shit together so that they can operate more like the, the team that that market deserves uh you know, makes sense. And I think that's kind of how I always thought about him coming to Toronto as well. You know, I've always, you know, I, I do frequently will say, you know, I mean, I think he, part of the, the appeal, you know, if you believe in the, in, in the, the traditional uh, black and white sort of idea of why he's here and that there's no, you know, whispers in his ear from, from MLB is that, you know, there's going to be an opportunity to spend more and to, and to do things that he couldn't do in Cleveland. But, uh, but, you know, either way, I mean, I think this was a a franchise where, you know, the, on the tinfoil hat-ish side, which maybe isn't so tinfoil hat-ish, you know, that you have a a franchise with an enormous market, an enormous TV market, uh, and a a real big stadium problem and getting those things corrected while they may also, you know, make things more efficient for Rodgers, uh, will still benefit the Blue Jays. And I think there are things that we shouldn't be like... You know, he shaking our fists. Oh, he's just here to 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 bring Rogers money and, and to line their pockets. Like I think that there uh, there are you know there's a wider spectrum of reasons why this makes sense here. I would agree. I would definitely agree with that, and that's something that we've talked about many times as well. That 
he wouldn't he didn't come here just to apply a Cleveland sized budget to a larger market or a more robust market. He the, the assumption being that they came here because there is more there are more there is more to play with. There is a, there is a, there are bigger budgets. There's more money on the line. There's more opportunity to do some more uh, interesting or creative things. Though, so we've talked a few times about the about the, the payroll. Uh, it, it, they are they are still running a pretty high payroll, and now uh, the belief is that for next year in particular, it's going to go down. Richard Griffin wrote an interesting piece where he sort of spitballed. He thinks that it, that the number is a hundred million that they're going to try to get underneath that, which if you take out you know the Donaldson and and with all some of the other ones coming off the books, you're starting to get close, but it's still going to re- require some um, some surgery mm-hmm. to get down that low. Which uh, I mean, I, I think it's fun as a little as a thought experiment to say where are they going to be able to save from to say that they just would. It doesn't. It doesn't seem very logical that they're just going to pick a number at random and be like, "That's the one. We're going to reduce it to this just for the sake of doing it." Where I think, I think we are going to see because just the the, the nature of the of what these some of these guys make and the shape of the roster, there is a lot of change that's going to come to to the team between now and uh, spring training. Um, there are there are salaries that are going to go, um, and if that means paying Russell, like again, we I don't I can't. Russell Martin at $5 million a year is the, one of the points that, that Griffin makes is much more attractive to any team in the league than Russell Martin at 15 or 18, whatever he'll be making. So are the Blue Jays in a position to pay him to go away? They kick in $10 bucks to make him to clear up playing time, but also clear up you know that extra money, even if it's $5 million bucks or $6 million bucks or $8 million, bucks, whatever they can get off their books. Uh is that the kind of move we're going to see? You know, Tulowitzki's a different situation unto himself. The David Wright talk with recouping 70% or 75% of his, of his salary through insurance. Um, but like after that, there's not really a lot of money left to, to go around. There's not really a lot of guys making a lot of money. No, it's true. I mean, there's, you know, Solarte is probably not going to get his option picked up. He <laughs> had a bit of a night here on Thursday. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, Pilar is a guy who, uh, you know, I think, as much as uh, we've debated this to death and, and there are guys who could take his spot, he, I think, has more value than people sometimes think because he's just always so damn healthy. But he's getting to the point, maybe not of a non-tender, but of the of of he could definitely be a guy who gets dealt right before the uh, the non-tender deadline or one of those kind of deals. Uh, just, but uh, And this this will be the interesting thing, and I think the... the uh, what could become the frustrating thing for fans. I think it could be a really, you know, even if the moves aren't dramatic, I think it's going to be an offseason that's kind of full of drama. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's just kind of where the, the tone of the of the conversation with the team is anyway. But uh, I think that, uh, that you know, that you, I like an ideal move for, for a Martin or a Pilar like, well, t- like take Pilar. I mean, ideally, maybe you would be able to get something back uh, that where you're not just shedding that money, right? Where you're actually getting a piece back and taking some money back. And I think if you were a team, and I think a lot of fans are going to look at it this way, as they probably should, which is like, okay, you know, it's it's Rogers. You're a huge corporation. You have lots of money. Uh, you you would hate to see moves shedding salary just to shed salary. 
Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Martin Martin at twenty million dollars is too much. Yes, and you could maybe shed you know get some of that off your books. But there's also you know we've talked about the idea of him being a mentor and being a guy who can you know really help Danny Jansen along potentially. And 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 you know what is the value of that? And and I think that. You know, I, I I worry, or I don't, you know, as much as anyone worries about it, you know this dumb shit. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, like uh, if their if their budget was was unlimited, does that mean you know would Martin make more sense here than if their budget is really small? Like if they get rid of him, are they really doing it just to save salary uh, at the expense of the fact? Like if they could run a hundred twenty million dollar payroll uh, and uh, you know, I, I just think that you know the more money that they have to work with, as easy as it is going to be to sell, you know, shaving some dollars off the payroll to get rid of some of these guys who are sort of extraneous at this point. Uh, you know, that is money that they could put, use to their advantage. Whether it's keeping Martin to be a mentor, whether it's getting something back for Pilar that has the same salary as opposed to to just that salary dropping off the books. Uh, I think that's where people are going to have a problem if that if it goes that route. You know, I would, I, and I think rightfully so. Like, I don't think that that they should be cutting payroll just to cut it. Uh, but obviously, you know, every, you know, the writing's on the wall in terms of what the roster looks like and ter- who, you know, just where all those players are at in terms of arbitration and where the team is at in terms of what they're going to do on the free agent market. Like, the the salaries are going to come down no matter what. Like, if they mm-hmm. if they really start forcing it down even farther that's uh that's probably not great so that i think that's a good point and, and it does uh, it, it is a, a question worth asking the what uh, well i see it from both sides like the team's going to be bad no matter what next year or is close to bad or is going to resemble bad it would it would be amazing if everything clicks and and they hit the ball like crazy and then they find a bunch of people to pitch and uh, and then they're a surprise contender. But if you are if you are Shapiro or, or acting on behalf of Rogers, and you're thinking like, what's the point of running a hundred and forty or hundred and thirty million dollar payroll? We're not going to get anything out of that anyway. So so why not make it ninety? But I think you you've you've made a good point, which is you know what's also what's the point in in cutting it in terms of the is the money is that what is maybe not a rounding error, but in terms of the, the the bigger picture, is if the but if they if they are paying Martin or they are they just desperate just to 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 shed weight in any way possible? Like it's one of the it's a movie where the planes run out of, out of fuel and they're throwing the seats out and throwing the suitcases off the side. There's no need for it to be that. They they don't need to just strip it to the wood just for the sake of being that. Um, you would ordinarily if your team say. In uh, a different state, or well, let's say if you're a team in a different stage of their winning window or cycle, where you maybe want to clear some of that payroll so that you can be in a good position to load up for it. Um, I guess that maybe that is the question that I'm trying to get to is is like is that the end game? Okay, so they're going to cut the payroll down so that in two years or three years they can really look to start to add to enhance the team around the core that they've bet. The, literally everything on being uh, being the, the one to see them through. Um, is, is that what they're going to do? Or is it going to be, they're going to cut it down and then it'll creep up as that, so they're in a position to pay that core when it ages? I guess, I mean, uh, what's the answer? Yeah. I think, I think, I think a, telling, a telling example will be like what the Astros do. 
in the next two or three years. What are the Astros going to do as Altuve gets into his the real part of his deal after the team stole from him from the first <laughs> half of his extension? Yeah. Uh, what are they going to do when Correa starts to get paid, when, when Springer starts to get paid, when Bregman starts to get paid? Um, I don't know what who uh, if their Lance McCullers is going to get any money, whatever. But like that team's going to get way more expensive, and they're a team that has run a, a pretty tight payroll. They don't have a lot of extra money on there. They gave some money to Josh Reddick and guys like that. But how they navigate that might be instructive for a team like the Blue Jays, because like the Jays, the Astros have no excuse to not have a competitive payroll in the interest of fielding a competitive team. So. So when it when the Jays are looking at the next competitive window, when the Jays are looking at when they've got they know you know Vlad hits the ground running, or they know what Bo Bichette's going to be, and they see Danny Jansen as an everyday player for two or three years, then it's like okay, now we're going to start to add. Is that where they're going to be, or is it just going to be we got to be able to make sure to pay these guys to keep them together when they get to arbitration in fucking four years? God, I hope it's not that. <laughs> no, and I, well, the Astros thing too. I mean, they've they've run such a tight payroll for the last few years that you know you would like, were you an Astros fan, you would sort of hope to, hope that you know some of the money that could have gone to payroll is still kicking around to be used now, right? I mean, the, mm-hmm. and and, mm-hmm. Uh, and that is the thing where the Blue Jays situation, uh, you know, what, what we didn't talk about in terms of. What, what I've seen people sort of float the idea out there. I have no idea whether this is talked about at Rogers or anything like that. But uh, but you know, could could lowering the payroll be a way to have some millions kicking around to go into the fucking stadium renovation thing that clearly needs to be done and, and the team really wants? And Rogers has obviously uh, not been super forthcoming with like hundreds of millions of dollars it's going to take in order to do it, which is because you know. Their core business needs that kind of money, and it's 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 kind of it's it's tough for them to make the the case to shareholders to do it. So if, you know, maybe the Blue Jays have to have to use some of their own revenue to to get that done. I I don't know if that's going to be you know maybe an element of it too. And so you know like like I was saying before, like just to cut it for the sake of cutting it. If if it's not that, if the, if cutting it means that you end up freeing up money to help with the renovation i mean i don't think that's how that should work i think that you know if you're a blue jays fan you should be like no rogers pay for the goddamn stadium renovation you are you know the equity on the team alone that you've made in the 15 or 16 years of owning it or whatever it's been uh you know you're 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 still doing fine if you have to if you have to dump in a couple hundred million dollars of uh uh of your own money to to make the stadium you know modernized uh, God damn, the, the equity on the stadium <laughs> itself, not yeah, even the equity yeah. on the team. The equity yeah. on the chunk of land that the stadium upon which the stadium sits. Yeah. That you, when you got that for a song. Well, well they don't own the land, but yeah. Who owns the land? The uh, It's a crown company. It's like the, the state, Blue Jays Stadium oh. lands. It's like it was rented from the... Or, you know, there's a 99 year lease on it. They don't own it. If they owned it, I think they would have... It'd be fucking condos and they'd be playing in Downsview by now. <laughs> True. Uh, so uh, you, I know you've talked about this and you've written a bit about this. If I want to open the, the Rogers Center up. I want to open a chunk of the stadium to, to let the city in. Where am I going to find that chunk? What, like, what, which, <laughs> what part am I going to open it up to? I forget who it was. That, like, right? I don't, I don't know. But I forget who had the thing that talked about maybe integrating with the city uh the stadium and, and and working with the city on the rail deck park 
idea, which obviously is going to come to the north side of the of the building there, and maybe that that's mm-hmm. a way to do it. Uh, I had an interesting conversation uh, today with uh, with some of my colleagues at uh, at the Athletic. Had a little meeting and, and talked about a couple things, but uh, uh, it sounds like the and I had heard this because I'd heard some grousing from people on Twitter too about the the press box is moving. Uh, it is. I believe the press box is moving over to the football press box area. Ew. Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, that's awful. But- I had to watch that first ever <laughs> Masahiro Tanaka start from that auxiliary press box. Yeah. And it fucking sucked. Let I me tell you. I mean, don't don't quote me on any of that because I know I haven't confirmed it. But we were just chatting, and I I don't know who I, I don't I forget who even floated that that concept. But I think but I'm pretty sure I've I've heard grousing about that. Uh, on Twitter, if not, I, I hope I'm not breaking news. I'm not supposed to. But also, the thing about that though is that the football press box, if if you recall back to some of the stuff that I I wrote about right at the start of the season, the football press box could actually end up being in the correct location were they to rotate the field, which is you know one of the concepts that they pitched. Uh, you know, the, in terms of bringing the renovation, just to uh, you know to give the stadium less symmetry and to and to you know make it more of a ballpark the whole the idea was to you know rotate the stadium so that home plate would be basically right where third base is uh which would make that press box make sense so maybe no that's, it would, maybe it would almost, it's like the left field corner <laughs> yeah i guess it is uh, yeah it's a little farther out that way but that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world no i mean that this could is be like the, you, you go breaking that down it was like me living in the galaxy brain meme like as you're like they're gonna move the press box and i was like no and then they're like but that's because they're gonna move home plate yes because that's that is because i think that plate that part if you did exactly that then the field is the 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 diamond is pointed towards realistically the only section that you could do that given what's in place there that sort of that sort of section even the part that that faces towards the cn tower which is kind of north and east a little bit Mm -hmm. i feel like there's not that much there uh i mean i don't know relative to what but i feel like that is it that gives you the opportunity to maybe bring in the city a little bit um i mean you could maybe do the lake but i think you probably want to do the city instead it could be cool but uh that could that could work i, I you know i like this I, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. turn me around on I, this, I, yeah. this complete fantasy idea right i, I mean I, I think there are sort of some practical obstacles i, I mean i'm thinking about like where the seating is in the 500 level, it's, it's certainly not behind. If you move home plate to there, it's certainly not. Uh, you'd have to reconfigure a lot of seats. But fuck, maybe you need, maybe you want to rip a lot of those fucking seats out of there anyway. Maybe you want to open up the view. Maybe there's a way to to knock some walls down on the uh, on the uh, uh, east side of the building and the south side of the building to just sort of open it up to. Uh, you know, not maybe not the skyline proper, but you can see a little bit more. I mean, obviously there's there's an mm-hmm. issue of the giant railroad tracks that the fucking roof runs on uh so all this sounds really complicated and expensive so that's probably reason to not believe any of it is actually accurate but uh but 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 that was but but that was a very like i saw the i saw the actual proposal i I was i was not uh i was not able to to uh to publish it but there very there very much is a proposal that was floated and given to rogers that that did involve rotating the field that, that would make that sort of uh, press box move if, if that's correct which I think it is um, 
you know, make a little bit more sense. I don't know. We're, we're getting fantastical on this, but a, a little bit. We're getting ahead of ourselves, I think. What else are we going to fucking talk about? <laughs> well, yeah. Not I a, saw an interesting stat yeah. today in the last 30 days. So, so basically after they traded uh, all their good pitch, their, their good pitcher, the Jays have the second worst strikeout rate in the entire league from the rotation in particular. Nate Pearson's going to the AFL. He's uh, he's the hope, isn't he? I mean, who else is going mean, to... Eric Pardino's 17... Like God, God love God love Barucky and and uh, and Sean Reed Foley and Stroman and Sanchez still can can be something I think and uh, probably are going to have to be for another year just because they don't right now have a lot of value on the trade market probably and probably aren't guys that they're quite ready to like look to extend but I don't know you look you look forward and, and you're like I mean I think we talked about this last week or maybe off air but it's like they're they they are an above average hitting team like barely right now but they but they are they have they some really are. they really have some interesting offensive pizza pieces but it's like who the fuck is going to pitch for them and uh, but that goes back to also how the off season could be really interesting because uh, in one of the one of the radio interviews that Atkins did last week um, or maybe it was the only one he was on TSN radio last week and was talking about uh, you know the Vlad stuff and all the other stuff. Uh, but he mentioned the farm system and the farm system being good, according to everybody except Keith Law. Uh, but also said that <laughs> he said that you know it, it would it hadn't been the, you know a year ago it wasn't the case it hasn't been the case for until about now that but now our system is strong to the point where we could make any trade that we want, which is like oh okay that's you know but which you know that's Biden both well, for trout do it <laughs> wow do it <laughs> but. Would the Angels do that? No, uh, you can't. There's no trade. There many, is no many, trade for Mike Trout. How many years Vlad left? Bo- how many years left? Twenty twenties free agents. The two. I don't know. I'd do that if I was the Angels. They're fucked. They're they're fucked anyway. <laughs> well, they wouldn't be fucked that way. I wouldn't do that if I was the Jays. Nah. I mean, if I had a because roster, if I had a roster shit. to put him on, yeah, I wouldn't. The I wouldn't Jays are shit that. both ways. Like they're not. He's not going to make them win. He can't help the yeah. rain, Angels. He's not going to help those Blue Jays without Vlad Guerrero. Yeah, but anyway, um, I, I mean, I think that this is sort of you know, I, I don't want to be a Pollyanna and be like, oh, this was obviously that just means you know that's Atkins telling the gods honest truth. Like, I mean, it's in his interest to talk up his system, and it's interesting to maybe. To, to suggest some of these trades, but also you look at the depth that they have, which are, you know, the, the forecasted depth, because we're still talking about, you know, you know, Kevin Biggio isn't real major league depth yet. We don't know what he's going to be, but, but there are, there are guys and they, they're kind of, I mean, uh, and the Cubs haven't really didn't, I don't think trade for a ton of pitching, but, uh, but they certainly, well, they certainly did in terms of Chapman and they, and they, they, maybe it's sort of this model of draft a lot of fucking, find a lot of young bats, you find the position players just because those are the guys who don't succumb to the attrition rate that pitchers do, right? And mm-hmm. and and then when the time is right, use those pieces to trade for pitching. And maybe that's what the Jays are what the Jays are thinking. I mean they certainly are lining themselves up and putting themselves in a position where that could be the case because I mean they just they have a lot of guys who can play third base. They have a lot of guys who can play second base. They've they've a lot of guys who play a lot of different positions and probably too many guys if you know, next year, you know, six of them don't take giant steps backwards, which is entirely possible also. But, uh, but yeah, I thought that was an interesting comment from Atkins uh, about, you know, yeah, we could trade for anybody we want. And they, and they probably could do that and still 
not have a not have a terrible farm system, which is of course easy when you keep the best prospect in baseball down for you know an extra six months or however fucking long it's going to end up being. That is the the um, the lifeboat that's keeping the entire fleet alive. <laughs> yeah. uh, once you take that 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 big balloon out, the rest of it is all going to sink. Uh, I like uh, the I think it's it's kind of like the Red Sox model in a way. What you sort of described, which yeah. is yeah. develop your bats and then just buy your pitcher, yeah. and you buy them with money, uh, like they did with 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 uh, price, uh, or you buy, buy them with talent. Like you've done, like they did with Sale, and and to a lesser extent, Porcello and and Kimbrel. Uh, yeah. I mean, and you, but and then when you have the money, you can you can make a trade. So the like Porcello didn't come through prospect. They traded. How how did that work? They traded Lester for for Cespedes, right? And then Cespedes for yeah. for Porcello. Um, uh, so you could do that, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's not not a bad idea. One one idea I did one thing I I did note this year and I saw Guy Spurrier the sports editor the National Post did a cool little graphic on it as well. Uh, while the Blue Jays do have an above average offense this year and it has vastly improved the offense over last year, this also looks like it's going to be the first season ever non strike edition, so not including 1981, where the Jays will not even, not have a position player worth two win, two two fan graphs. Win. Yeah. Yeah, which is shocking, which is kind of like also an acknowledgement that the raise the floor thing worked as in, in as much <laughs> as it was supposed to. Uh, yeah, because they didn't raise the ceiling. That's for sure. Because they're they don't have they they have few, they have they have no like if even if you can just compare them to last year or or the other years. So even though they have they have a much lower peak much lower ceiling amongst their position players the team itself is still um not among the worst blue jays ever the, the blue jays have fielded many worse teams many worse you know groups of position players setting the bar they, real high were, there yeah i've set the bar super high but, <laughs> I, but at the same time in a way yes because the blue jays haven't really how many like truly awful years of the blue jays had since they kind of emerged from the the uh, the expansion wilderness yeah. in like 1983. There were years they were bad, but they haven't. They've never lost 100 games. I don't think they've even ever lost 95 games. Like they were, they've always been mediocre, but they've never been truly bad. And that's what kind of makes this year sort of such, such a letdown because a they went from being very 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 good to now bad. They're not much worse than this year. They're not much worse. Or, uh, or they're as bad as 2012 and 2013 when those teams were supposed to be good. This one hoped to be good, but didn't didn't make any kind of investment in that quality. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, I guess in, in a way the whole raise the floor thing worked because they, ri- they did raise the floor, but this group, unfortunately, um, by injury and whatever else, zero ceiling. And zero ceiling and, and zero pitching, which is uh, how you end up losing a shitload of games, especially down the stretch. <laughs> Yeah, it really does seem to be. I mean, like you say, through injury, I mean, I mean, Donaldson obviously is the big one. He would have easily surpassed two war if he was his regular self. Uh, you know, Pilar, if he didn't have those few weeks off or a couple weeks off, probably would get there, which is <laughs> which is maybe pathetic in its own right, just because of, man, he just can't hit at all. This cannot get on base at all. Uh, is what, he, he is what we thought he was. Um 
and but it's you know it's surprising. I mean, Gritchick was so bad at the start, and, and Teoscar has cooled off and has been such a liability on defense that you you get it. Those are still guys who, you know, are interesting pieces going forward. Maybe interesting pieces for other teams going forward. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, I don't know. Yeah, the raise the raise the floor thing certainly certainly worked. I guess the, the floor is higher. <laughs> but that's it. The floor is the ceiling. Yeah, that's, uh, that's the thing, yeah. I think Randall Gritchick has acquitted himself pretty well this year. I uh, think so, too, yeah. He, he definitely has a lot of ball player-ish tendencies. And, um, Get, you know, getting to, hit in the fucking face with a chair there. Getting a stool in the face. <laughs> you got to feel for... Uh, so I was listening to that game on the radio. So I don't exactly have a mental image of, exa- of how that worked. But the poor... it was I guess it was Wagner and Wilner were almost commiserating with the security guy... Because he was trying to get out of Smoke's way, and then yeah. lo and behold, there goes Gritchick with a mouthful of stool, which, you know, we've all been there. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, no, it was yeah, it was a fucked up uh, play, but you, uh, you felt bad for the security guy, for sure. Oh, for sure. And I think, I think you maybe are still, many, many months later, being too mean, too hard on Teoscar Hernandez. Yeah, maybe. I, I mean, I'm, I'm finding new reasons to be mean to him. Because he's, he's hit, above he's average. hit okay, yeah. I mean, he he is not what he looked like in September or in April. No, but he's not the worst. He's nice. Nah, he's, 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 he he has no value. I think <laughs> at the end of the day, he is he is a bad outfielder, and he just continues to go out of his way to show the world that he is not great in the outfield. Not that he's not working hard. Not that uh, there is an opportunity for him to improve. But he really just the ball just needs to eat him up sometimes. He just. There was a play that, two nights ago, I think, here there in Boston, where it would have been a tough catch, but I don't know that it was a catch that he couldn't have made. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> you start to see that, and when when he's a bad outfielder, that's the stuff that you your mind gets you there. Like, well, he could have made that play, he didn't because he sucks, as opposed yeah. to being like that was a difficult play. <laughs> I, he he certainly, I don't know, he looks to me like uh, a guy who might be the best player on a ninety-five loss team. Yeah, you need guys like that. You need a guy like that. You need the what was the, the Matt Dominguez, right? If you want yeah. your team to lose a hundred games, you need to give guys like Matt Dominguez as many as you get as many of those guys as you can. And Dominguez is like the opposite, right? Dominguez is the guy who's a great fielder, but he can't do anything else whatsoever. Uh, I think that's it. We've gone on for long, way too long, considering that there's nothing a lot, not a lot to talk about. Uh, we'll be back next week. Yeah, yeah, next week. Another yeah. one. We'll yeah, just keep doing them. We'll keep doing them. So thank you, uh, everyone, for listening. Uh, if you have the opportunity, love for you to head over to uh, patreon.com slash birds all day and keep, uh, support the show. Keep us going. Keep us li- living in the style to which we have grown accustomed. And that style is doing this show for four full seasons now uh, and with pride. And we're happy to do it. And we hope that it's getting not worse. Uh, you know, but we've got some season wrap-up stuff coming. Maybe we'll drag the Zoobs out of, uh, if we can ever get him off the island. Zoobs is going to come back. Zoobs is in Portugal right now. Yeah. Uh, and he's going to come back, and he's just going to be like a wizened old sea captain. He's going to speak <laughs> extremely slowly. He's going to have, like, that faraway look in his eye. He'll be tanned. The top of his head uh, will be burnt to a crisp. There'll be skin everywhere. Uh, but I look forward to it, to hearing some, some <laughs> do, wisdom. Do, do sea captains make a lot of Japanese wrestling references? Well, the, the modern ones do. You got to yeah. pass that time up there in the open ocean. 
They, by the way, he got. He was wondering if you were a Japanese wrestling fan. I saw. I saw a conversation that he was in. Yeah. About uh, about about Japanese wrestling and how you are. You are in fact. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Beretta. That's the name I saw. I don't know. That doesn't mean anything to me. But yeah, sadly Beretta. I'm like, oh, fucking. Uh, <laughs> uh, what's the what's the guy who murdered his wife? Played Beretta. This is how old I am. Um, a lot of guys do that, unfortunately. Especially. Well, yeah. No, uh, Rod, oh, fuck. What was, what was that? Fucking, no. no. I certainly hope not. <laughs> uh, uh, God damn. What is, it, what, is, what is this fucking name? It's, uh, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't, it really doesn't matter. at but all. It, but it was a, it was a wonderful, uh, wonderful in a terrible sense, uh, you know, Hollywood controversy for a while there. You're gonna make me look it up. Yeah, I'm. I'm looking it up. As Robert well. Blake. Robert Blake. Robert that's Blake. The name yes, yeah, that is yeah. the one. Yeah, um, that's that, that's my Beretta. I don't know who the fuck this other guy is. <laughs> He'll always be Beretta to me. He'll always Obviously. be like one of our gang or whatever. He's one of the fucking little rascals or something, wasn't he? <laughs> uh, so if you do the Patreon, then of course you want to send you over to iTunes, uh, where you can give us a rating or a review. Uh, or you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash bros all day. Another thing you can do is recommend us to your friends. Be like, hey, you like the Blue Jays? You like two idiots rambling on incoherently for hours at a time? I got a podcast for you. So uh, do that. And if you do, uh, send us a shout out. If you are, uh, I mentioned Trestle Brewery last week. Maybe tell them that, that, that we shouted them out. Because God knows they don't have money to sponsor a podcast. But when they do, I know where they'll come. So, uh, so shout out to Trestle in, in Georgian Bay and Perry Sound again twice. You know, I had a beer the other night. I, I was, I was reaching in the fridge for a beer, and all I could do was it was all I could do to stay focused on the beer and not just reach for chocolate milk. <laughs> I like saw a, that tweet, yeah. which is very much me telling on myself, like, ooh, delightful, <laughs> a nice chocolate milk. But the beer is good, though. I'm glad I chose it. Um, anything else? That's about it. I, the, um, I, I was just on the chocolate milk, you know, on the, the you know, the, the milks all day. Mm. Um, I don't know. I, I was never like this when I was in Toronto, but I, for some reason in Peterborough here uh, at Shoppers Drug Mart, if you are uh, sad enough to go and support the fucking Westons, uh, the chocolate milk is like forever on sale. It's a, it's it's a 600 milliliter Like the, the, the liter cartons are like are like a dollar fifty like all the time forever it's fucking weird it's like how it like well i don't want to i don't want to insult the fine people of this city but maybe they're all drinking a lot of goddamn chocolate milk because uh, <laughs> it's like cheaper than water it's fucked it's just it, you know, it's bizarre chocolate milk is one of my the, the source of one of my favorite urban legends i don't even know if it's true it's probably true the the uht you see that on all the packaging ultra high temperature pasteurized yeah it's because the, the milk they use in the chocolate milk is all terrible and like Full of weirdness and it's well milk the, the, I, kind of weird full of weirdness regardless really I there's mean, nothing I, not I'd weird not about milk about it. yeah I'd, you know you can't think about it especially when in like in a factory setting uh which reminds me if i just not never mind i'm not gonna so get if, that. so i, so I got thinking of a factory farm <laughs> i got thinking about factory farms where they, they farm these cows and then i was thinking about the 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 hog production and the the, the people of the carolinas who are battening down the hatches as uh, as hurricane florence is about to do its uh, do some real damage to that part of the world. Um, I think about the, all those hog farms and how that's going to be just an ecological disaster. 
all yeah. through that area of the world. Just another thing to add on, another layer to that, to the uh, the natural disaster that's about to uh, to hit that place. So uh, thinking of those people, hoping that they're well. Thinking of you, Stoughton, sucking down liters of chocolate milk <laughs> by the dozen, dollar at a dollar a pop. It's I insane. Hope. I don't. It's just been. It's like forever. It's been. I don't know why. Uh, if, uh, so if anyone out there is, uh, you know, uh, on the dairy council, one, clearly, uh, we'd love to have you <laughs> as a sponsor Two, Can you fucking explain this to me? Can Galen Weston call me up and let me know what the fuck is going on? Two words, yeah. my friend, two words, supply management. <laughs> it's a real hot button issue in the Canadian political sphere. Oh God. Uh, that's better, it. Yeah. We better stop ourselves before we talk about any of that fucking horse shit. Oh boy. Should we ever? Uh, so, for his, so his name is Andrew Stoughton. My name is Drew Fairservice. This has been Birds All Day, and we will talk to you next week. <laughs>